This is EnergyCast, and I'm Jay Dowenhauer. For the next few episodes, we will be talking about TXU, the Dallas-based electric utility that was purchased in 2007. To this day, that remains the largest leveraged private equity buyout in the history of finance. And the circumstances surrounding that purchase, both internal and external, really helped usher in the way we view energy policy 10 years later. This episode will serve as a monologue for all the subsequent episodes. So hopefully you hear this, the interview should have more context. The series of episodes on this story is one of the main drivers for me to start this podcast. It is a story that never has been given the proper treatment, and that's a shame. Some of you may remember the book called Barbarians at the Gate. That was a wildly popular account of the 1988 purchase of RJR Nabisco, a Winston-Salem-based company that, you guessed it, made cigarettes and snacks. RJR Nabisco was purchased for $25 billion by the private equity firm Kohlberg, Kravis, and Roberts, or KKR. TXU, the company we are focusing on was purchased for $45 billion, also by KKR. So in essence, this story is Barbarians at the Gate Part 2. My wife Ashley has asked me a few times, why is the story so important? And more importantly, if it is so important, how come no one has ever written a book about it? To the second question, I'd say probably a lack of imagination. But the heart of this story, the reason it is so important, the reason it needs to be told is this. First of all, it was and still is the largest private equity buyout in the history of finance. This was also the story of one company's decision to pursue a massive expansion of coal power because they did not see natural gas prices as stable or low enough. This is the story of how that planned coal power expansion ignited a firestorm of opposition from environmentalists, politicians, business leaders, and even other energy companies. And I would argue that that opposition fueled a lot of the attitudes that the public still has about coal, albeit unfairly. Also, this story took place in Dallas, and ironically, this was a company that believed in low, stable prices for coal, even though the fracking revolution was being born literally outside the windows of the company headquarters. And we know that fracking and the shale revolution have helped stabilize the price and availability of natural gas in the years that followed. This bet on coal and high natural gas prices was what ultimately led to bankruptcy seven years later after the buyout. This is also the story of the environmental community's impact on the world of high finance. It is the story of how the environmental community and the media created a public backlash about a corporate decision. And as we will discuss, it is the story of how the environmental community was literally brought to the bargaining table in order to finalize this record-setting deal. So that's my case why this should have your attention. Now let's set up this story. 
The company known as TXU Corporation has its roots going far back as the 1880s, the earliest days of electrification. Most Texans grew up with the company being collectively called Texas Utilities. It was confined to the Lone Star State until about 1998 when it purchased assets in the UK, Australia, and Germany, and effectively became the fifth largest energy company in the world. In 2002, two things happened. First, TXU began to wind down its international assets. It later sold its natural gas arm and essentially went back to providing electricity in Texas. Also in 2002, the Texas legislature deregulated the state's electricity market. What that means is that electricity customers, us, can choose one of several retail electric providers to buy our electricity in the same geographic area. By contrast, a regulated market means that you have to buy electricity from one provider. The theory behind deregulation is that if there are several retail electric providers in the same area, competition will drive down the cost of your electricity. What's interesting is that the company that championed this plan in Texas and other states that deregulated was Enron. There is something else you should understand about Texas. The state has its own power grid. That means that all the power consumed in the state must be generated in the state. That's important because in the 2000s and even today, Texas has witnessed explosive growth. So by 2006, Texas was facing down an energy crisis. Every year, the organization that manages the Texas grid, ERCOT, or the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, releases a forecast of electric demand in the state for the next five years. They wanted to have about 12% more capacity than consumption, and that 12% figure is called the reserve margin. In 2006, with the economy humming and people like me moving to Texas daily, the reserve margin was going to be below 12% in just two years, 2008. That's pretty scary. Our story really picks up in April of 2006. On Monday, April 17th, the state was hit with an unexpected heat wave and sweaty Texans kicked on their air conditioners in mass. That resulted in rolling blackouts across the state. And what was even more alarming was that the deregulated price of electricity shot up to nearly 60 cents a kilowatt, about six to eight times what you would typically see on your bill. The front page of the Dallas Morning News the next day said, and I quote, Texans this week got a glimpse of what life might be like in 2010 if power companies don't build more generation plants. So three days later, TXU and its CEO, John Wilder, announced plans for a massive expansion of their existing coal fleet. It called for 11 new coal-fired units, all in Texas. Price tag? $10 billion. The plan also called for $500 million to be spent on pollution control equipment on its existing coal plants and $2 billion to fund renewables, clean coal technologies, and nuclear facilities. Ultimately, the expansion would bring an estimated 21,000 permanent jobs to Texas. And the claim TXU made throughout the expansion campaign was that even with all the new coal plants, net reductions of emissions would be reduced 20%. Needless to say, the plan faced a little opposition. Environmentalists rejected that TXU could make air cleaner and double their coal fleet. They warned that so many plants could cause some Texas cities to fall into what's called non-attainment, requiring people to buy specially formulated gasoline, among other issues. Local politicians got into the fight. 
Dallas Mayor Laura Miller, a Democrat, led a crusade against the expansion. She also turned up in public hearings at towns two hours outside of Dallas. Houston Mayor Bill White, also a Democrat and a gubernatorial candidate a few years later, joined Mayor Miller in the fight. A group calling itself Texas Business for Clean Air, which included executives from Dallas-based corporations such as the Container Store, asked TXU's leadership to scale back plans. And probably one of the most controversial moves, natural gas titan Chesapeake Energy ran a series of ads saying coal is filthy. It was later revealed that former Chesapeake CEO Aubrey McClendon and associates contributed about $26 million to the Sierra Club. This wasn't the only electric utility planning coal plants in Texas. Of the 11 coal-fired units, Texas had received permits for eight more coal units from other utilities, so 19 in all in Texas. NRG, a New Jersey-based utility, had plans in Texas for a coal gasification facility in Texas. Now, we've talked about gasification on episodes two and five of this podcast. The media viewed NRG's plans in a more favorable light, which referred to TXU's coal plants as old technology. TXU's position on gasification was that the technology was simply not ready. One of TXU's power plant developers, Alstom, went further and called gasification technology hype. TXU had plans for carbon capture technology at that time, but not to be rolled out for another 14 years. Environmentalists didn't like that. This persisted from the time of the expansion, April 2006, until February 23rd, 2007. On that day, late Friday afternoon, CNBC broke the story that two private equity companies, Colbert, Kravis, and Roberts, and Texas Pacific Group were planning to buy TXU for $45 billion. In addition, the new buyers would build only eight of the 11 planned coal-fired units, and in another reversal with TXU, promised to build two gasification plants at some point. But what was most surprising was the level of participation the environmental community got during the buyout. Two days after the buyout announcement, before any TXU or buyers had made any statements to the media, the Dallas Morning News reported that Environmental Defense Fund and other environmental groups met with the buyers in San Francisco earlier that week, and in a marathon, 17-hour round of negotiations agreed on several terms, including the decision to schedule most of the coal plant expansion. This is probably the greatest participation of the environmental community in the history of high finance. Buyers also promise to break apart TXU into three separate companies, one for retail electricity, one for its transmission lines, and the third for its power plants. They later promised a rebate for their retail customers and more mercury controls on their coal fleet. On September 7th, that same year, 2007, shareholders approved the sale of TXU to the buyers, and the entity now became known as Energy Future Holdings. The sale went through the following month. TXU officially canceled plans for their plants that month and took a $500 million write-off for canceling those coal plant contracts. TXU CEO also resigned at that point and cashed in his shares worth about $270 million. It took eight months to wrap the biggest deal in the history of private equity finance. Flash forward seven years, 2014. For over a year leading to that point, Wall Street analysts had predicted that Energy Future Holdings was facing bankruptcy. This was due in large part to the prices of natural gas. 
During the first year of the new ownership, gas prices were over $12. By 2013, they were in the $3 range. In a deregulated market, natural gas prices set the price of electricity. Because electricity from coal is typically cheaper to produce, owners of coal plants could charge natural gas prices for electricity and reap big margins. As I said earlier, the shale boom knocked down those natural gas prices and kept them low. The economics of high margins for coal producers no longer made sense. Energy future holdings also started in a hole. The $45 billion buyout also included $25 billion in debt financing, and it was reported that EFH was making $4 billion in annual interest payments. By the time EFH filed for bankruptcy on April 28, 2014, it was $40 billion in debt. So that's the story in a nutshell. And the period we'll be talking about is primarily between the coal plant expansion announcement in April 2006 to the completion of the buyout in 2007. We'll be talking to several people close to the buyout, the communicators, the journalists, and the environmentalists. I had originally pictured assembling one podcast with all these interviews, but the information from each of these subjects was so rich, I decided to break up each interview into an individual podcast. That's why you may notice that some of my questions are the same for each guest, but you'll see that each of the answers was sometimes very different. So I hope you enjoy my series, TXU at 10. My first interview airs next week. That wraps it up for now. I'm Jay Dauenhauer. We'll see you next time.